This is Psalms to God, Season 3, Episode 17, How to Study the Bible. You can find the show notes for this episode at www.psalmstogod.com. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Since you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being my priest. Since you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, New American Standard Bible. Today, we're going to talk about how to study the Bible or like what types of Bibles you should use, translations, all of those things. Um, I'm, again, kind of deviating from the regularly scheduled program. I'm sorry I wasn't here last week, but I wanted to do something a little less, a little less stressful, but just as valuable and important this episode. And I've actually been trying to record this episode for a while. But, guys, on the way to Texas, so like somewhere between Florida and Texas, um, if you're new to the channel, I recently relocated from Florida to Texas and um, I lost one of my Bibles. I have not been able to find it. I've been looking for it for about three weeks now and I cannot find this Bible. So I think it did not make it from Florida. Um, I don't know, but I bought a new Bible to replace that Bible and now I'm ready to do this episode. <laughs> um, so I want to start off by making the disclaimer that the Bible is extremely vast and there are many, many ways to study the Word of God and as you grow spiritually, how you study the word will change and it should change. So if you are somebody who is watching this video and you've never studied the Bible before, you've never sat down and read by yourself, you've always just had somebody else reading to you or teaching you, or maybe you're just a brand new Christian and you don't know where to start, like, you know, don't panic there is definitely a starting place and you don't like some of the things that I'll get into later in the video don't worry about that now you can get to that later you can come back and watch this video in a year two years three years five years wherever whenever you feel like you have now moved to that level then you can start incorporating that start slow start simple and then graduate your way up to the more complicated things and so for those of you who have been studying for a while some of the things I say in the beginning, you might be like, eh, I don't really like that, or you know, I've tried that, or that's kind of redundant, everybody says that. Um, but just stay tuned, and then we'll get a little deeper into things that you can do to enhance your studying as you get deeper into the Word. So when I first started reading the Word for myself, I was reading from this Bible. This is called the Extreme Teen Bible. It was a gift to me by one of my mother's co-workers and as you can see I have tabs in it where I was like marking things. Um, 
One of the things that I really appreciated about this Bible is that it's made specifically for teenagers. So there is a list of questions in here that are specific to what a teen would think about. So there are you know, questions about relationships, questions about sex, questions about lying, cheating, um, you know, just things that would probably pop into your head. I mean, you might ask these questions as an adult too, but um, things that are typical of a teenager's mentality. Um, and a lot of times what would actually happen is not that I was deciding to read the book of Matthew, but I had a question about relationships. So I would look and see what, you know, whatever question about relationships, and then it would have Bible verses to read about relationships. And so I would go to that part of the Bible and read those verses. And when you get into the actual book, there are little breakout boxes that talk about these things as well. Um, so there's certain things that maybe um, like a study Bible, it will clue you into context. So it'll start giving you like snippets of what was happening at that time. Um, or it'll give you like a little bit of like a devotional type of a thing where it's like a little bit further reading. And I liked I, I liked a lot of that about this Bible. It's also there's like kind of like a little creative font going on in it. So it's not like your typical like plain monotonous font. There's like color. Um, so it makes it a little bit more interesting, I guess. It, I guess it was just kind of hip. Um, so I actually stuck with this Bible for a long time. I actually kept it until I was about 25. I mean, obviously I still have it, but I mean, I was using this Bible until I was about 25, maybe 24. Um, I was actively just reading out of this. And yes, people judged me because I was running around with the extreme teen Bible, even though I was 25, but it helped me study. And if if it helps you study, don't worry about what other people are saying, okay? Because this is about you getting knowledge from God. So when I was studying this, I was mainly just going to those questions, reading, um, and that was basically the extent of how I read the Bible. Um, I wasn't, you know, it wasn't really like a calculated strategy. Um, it, you know, it was just I had this idea that there was this suggestion, and then I would read it. Um, and maybe occasionally I would have an idea of like, oh, I want to read Matthew or I want to read John and, I, you know, I'd read that. So that is where I started. Um, and that's and that's kind of how I got my foot, my feet wet. So if you are a brand new uh, believer, you do not have to get a teen Bible. Um, if you're a teenager, I highly recommend looking up teen Bibles. You don't have to necessarily get the extreme teen Bible. This is probably old because it's been a minute since I was a teenager. Um, but you can look up teen Bibles if you are um, older and you don't want to walk around with a teen Bible. There are Bibles for women. There are Bibles for men. Um, and then there are just generic study Bibles. I would definitely encourage looking into study Bibles that can help kind of facilitate what you're looking at. Um, there are also using also using like your quarterlies or your devotionals like if you attend a church and they have a quarterly um, Making sure you actually read the verses that are in there. I know when I was a kid We had quarterlies and I never read the verses like it would tell you like read, you know Isaiah 5 39 or something. I don't know. I don't even know if that's a real verse, but you know it would tell you to read a particular verse and I would, and then it would start talking about the verse. And a lot of times I would just skip 
that. I wasn't actually reading the verse or the chapter that it told me to. I was just reading the devotional. So if you have like a devotional or something, um, you can also start with just actually reading the verses that are mentioned in the devotional and kind of like meditating on them, thinking about them, things like that. These are kind of like the baby steps of getting into the habit of reading the word um, and understanding what's happening. Now, if you're brand new, if you, um, I guess that would go into like, what version do you want to read? Um, I am definitely a fan of using lots of different versions. You will see this as we go through. This Extreme Teen Bible is a uh, New King James translation. Um, I did grow up in a church that is King James only. Um, so I caught a lot of flack when I first got this and read it out loud in my church because they thought I had lost my mind. And it's really crazy because the New King James Version is not drastically different from the King James Version. I mean, it's slightly more modern, but it's not that different. Um, if you are new and you did not grow up reading the King James Version like I did, I definitely suggest picking a more modern translation to start with. I still have a, a huge respect for the King James translation. I do, there is something about it that I like. I don't know if it's nostalgia because I grew up that way um, or if it's just something about the olden speak that helps me come out of our society today and back, you know, it transports me back in time. Um, there's something very articulate about ye and you and thou and thee um, in, in like being able to identify who's speaking, but that can be very confusing and very tedious if you're not used to it. You don't want to pile things on your plate. So, um, I would most recommend something like the NASB or the CSB. I have a CSB translation that I'll show you in a few minutes. Um, but I do also want to briefly tell you the difference between translations. I'm not going to go into all the translations because there are a lot, but essentially um, you have what's considered thought for thought translations and then you have what's called word for word translations. So Bibles like the King James Version is considered a word for word translation. They try to go through and directly translate each Hebrew word to an English word and just keep it word for word, right? Um, and so that's why in some cases it may read a little weird because if you're bilingual, then you know that things don't always translate exactly the same way. There are like nuances. Thought for thought translations is where they try to translate the thought from a passage. So instead of getting a word for word translation, you get the general thought. Now, that being said, once you start getting into thought for thought translations, you're getting a lot of interpretation from the translator because it's what they interpreted the thought to be. When you get closer into the word for word things, you're getting closer to what was literally written there. Um, there are translations that I personally think are horrible translations. Other people may love them. Um, there are also ones that I would warn you against. Um, and, but I think that uh, I would need to do an actual video on that to substantiate it. I don't like just making claims with my opinions. I prefer to sit down and talk about why. And I don't want this video to get 
outrageous like the last one so I'm not gonna go into that I'm just gonna leave it here and let you guys see that there's word for word and thought for thought um, and I will say like I said is to, as far as modern translations the top recommendation I would give is either the NASB um, or something like the CSB or but when you're starting out just try it you can read a couple of different versions if you use something like Bible Gateway um, Bible Gateway is completely free it is online you can search any translation English not English um, you can compare translations there I would suggest going there and just kind of reading through some things and, and like comparing and seeing which one you like and then choosing which translation you want to read from based on that when you're starting out and that will help you that way you can that way you're not also struggling to understand as you're reading um, as you get deeper in I definitely think you should be reading multiple translations so you can compare and instead of relying on other people's interpretation start to develop your own interpret well, not not your own interpretation because no no uh, no passages of a private interpretation but I mean like so you could start seeing why they're choosing these words and so you can make a determination whether a translation is in line with the other translations or if it's a bogus translation that's really more so what I mean to help you with your discernment and identifying things and also just to get more clarity sometimes the different translations will help you see things in a new light so that that's definitely as you get deeper in um, another thing that I would say for beginning um, is using some of the acronyms um, I don't know what they all stand for but I do know that there is word feast soap I think there's something else I used to use soap now I will tell you there is something that I have against soap um, that I will suggest for you but um, soap is scripture observation application and prayer so the idea is that you memorize this acronym and then when you're reading a scripture right you write down the scripture uh, you would read it and you make then you would go back and make observations what are, what do you see all of these types of things and then you would try to apply it to today or to your life and then you would pray over what you've just learned um, I definitely used to use soap to help guide me when I was studying in the beginning now the one thing that I will say that I dislike about all of these methods is if they mention prayer they mention it last it is very important that you pray first pray first now I am not gonna lie to you and be like when I was a teenager I prayed before I read um, or that in the beginning that's what I did I did not I started doing that later in but if you are starting it is you should start here like no one told me this um, I'm telling you start with prayer um, we're going to read for why you should start with prayer okay so we're gonna we're gonna use this guy because it's the one that's right in front of me right now and we're gonna hop over to first corinthians chapter 2 and we're gonna read verses 14 through 16 it says well, actually we're gonna start with verse 13 so 13 through 16 these things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches but with the holy but which the holy spirit teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual 
But the natural man does not receive things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Now, the reason I wanted to read that is because this is one of the passages that tells us that is the Holy Spirit. There are other passages, but this is just the one that I wrote down for this particular episode. Um, the Holy Spirit is who tells us what we're reading. Um, throughout the Bible, you will see Jesus speaking in parables and he will start saying things like, it's not given to them to know, or he who has an ear, let him hear, etc., etc. The Only the people who are reading with the mind of Christ, people who have been baptized by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the one imparting knowledge on you. That is what helps you understand spiritual things are spiritually discerned um there's even a verse where um somebody confesses that christ is the messiah or i guess i should say yeshua is the messiah because christ and messiah are technically we're talking about hebrew versus greek but um they're confessing that he is the messiah and he says that the only way he could confess that is through the holy spirit the holy spirit is who reveals that to you you can't get that information on your own so when you read the word you should first invite the Holy Spirit to teach you it will be a lot better if the Holy Spirit is with you as you're reading it helping you to understand it as you read it as opposed to you reading it and trying to figure it out and then at the end being like so Holy Spirit what did I read <laughs> right like so I, I definitely think you should pray afterwards too if you want to you can never pray too much but if you 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 absolutely should pray in the beginning okay so that's that okay so after i moved on from the extreme teen bible um like i said this is when i was around 25 um so i had been in this bible for about 10 years maybe um i'm i picked up a bible called the kjv study bible so it was a king james version and it had uh, lots of different tidbits, like it had like graphics, it had maps of the area so that you could see what was going on and where like different paths were and, and you could relate it to like modern geography. Um, it also had like a commentary in the bottom, um, which would often kind of point out like Greek words or like translations and like questions about translations it would also give you more context about things um and i really really liked that bible that was one of my favorite uh bibles to use and that was one that was one of the ones that i would actually take with me when i would go to a bible study or when i would go to church and things like that and that is the bible that did not make it from florida to texas so i can't show it to you um, but that Bible I used primarily for probably like two or three years before I added another one into the mix. Again, reminder, you do not have to buy multiple Bibles. Um, I still have feelings about it, about how expensive Bibles can be. And sometimes I think they're just price gouging and I don't think it should be like that. Um, there is, like I said, Bible Gateway, Bible Hub. There are lots of different um, biblical tools you can use, apps for your phone, 
or online that will give you access to all of the translations for free. So I personally like a physical Bible, but you don't have to have multiple physical Bibles. You can get one and then use these other things, these technologies to you to, to see the different translations. So that is one thing that I will say. Um, now, as I got deeper into journaling, you guys know I like to journal. This is a journaling channel. I did get a journaling Bible. So I have this Bible um, and this is actually one of the ones that I do take with me to Bible study sometimes. Um, it is so I use this one more so for like a Sabbath school or church. Um, I, do, I did like the study Bible more for studying because it has extra information. Um, this one doesn't have, it has a couple of notes and things, but it doesn't have a whole lot of extra information in it. It just has like um, margins. And then there are a couple of like articles here and there um, that just give you like a little bit more insight. But I don't really like this for um, a group Bible study. I like this for personal reflection. I, I write in it. Um, I have, it also has tabs in it. Um, from where I have studied things. Uh, this Bible is the CSB, which is the Christian Standard Bible. It is a more modern translation. Um, and I, I will talk about translations in a second. Um, but the more modern translation is definitely easier to read aloud. So like I said, this is why I, I like this you know, sometimes for like a Bible, like for, not for a Bible study, but for like a Sabbath school class or something like that. Um, so I would also recommend, um, like I got tabs to help me memorize where each book is and the order of the books. That's very helpful. Um, it will help you as you study to be able to flip quickly and not have so much frustration. Along with that, um, I also would encourage learning I guess the categories or the purposes of the books. Um, a lot of study Bibles will have things in the front that give you information about the book, when it was written, who wrote it, um, wh who it was written to, the timeline that like why it was written, things like that, the purpose. Um, these are things to definitely start to learn and, and kind of meditate on because it helps to provide context when you're reading. Now I have two other Bibles. <laughs> Yes, guys, I have a lot of physical Bibles. I like physical books, um, but I want to show those to you. And then I want to talk about uh, word studies. Um, we have this Bible. This is a chronological Bible. This is also a New King James Version Bible. Um, one of the things about this Bible is... Um, well, the thing about this Bible is that it is in chronological order instead of the traditional order. So when you start getting into, for instance, the New Testament um, and you start reading the book of Matthew, there are certain things that Matthew tells you that Mark also tells you or that Luke tells you or that John tells you. And, and so instead of it being the whole book of Matthew and then the whole book, book of Mark and then the whole book of Luke and then the whole book of John, they interleave it so that it's in chronological order. So you will read things back to back, um, the different, um, you know, the, 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 the same story told by the different authors. 
Um, you will also see this in like 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and, and Samuel. Anywhere there's overlap, you'll start to see books interleaving. They also do this for, for instance, um, Paul's travels. So you may see things kind of interleaving with Acts to see where he went and wrote this letter to this church or that church. Um, and some of the books are in slightly different order because they're written, they're, they're placed in the order in which they happen chronologically. So instead of getting like, you know, flashbacks to the past and then like shooting into the future and then coming back and all of this stuff, which is very common in the Bible, um, this tries to give you a straightforward timeline. Um, which it can be very helpful. Um, that's why I bought it because I was struggling to understand the timeline for certain things. Um, I will say that one caveat about this Bible, study Bibles in general, is that they interject a lot of interpretation. So this is based on, you know, scholarly evidence of what, what they think the time periods are for each book. Um, there are some things that are debated. So for instance, Job. Some people think that Job was not an Israelite and that he was born before the tribes of Israel ever existed, which would place him before Moses. So you would get like the book of Genesis um, and then Job would exist somewhere in Genesis before you start talking about Abraham and, 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 and stuff like that. Or he may have been a contemporary of Abraham. So some people would have put the book of Job in the middle of Genesis. This Bible does not. It puts him much later um, and goes with the theory that Job was, you know, existed after Israel was established. And so that is something that no one knows. Um, I really wish Christians would admit they don't know more often. Like, I personally, I, I, I kind of resonate with the idea that Job was before the tribes of Israel existed because there's no mentioning of the tribes at all. But that doesn't mean that they didn't exist. It just means he didn't mention it. I mean, Job had a lot on his mind. There's no real reason why he should mention the tribes. Um, he was going through a lot. Maybe he just wasn't thinking about that. So, um, either way is actually possible and it doesn't change the, the validity of the story, but in some cases, interpretations will change how something is read or how you understand something. So it's definitely important to understand why a translator chose something and, um, what the different interpretations are. And again, this is why I stressed praying beforehand because you need the Holy Spirit to tell you if an interpretation is just flat out wrong like it's dangerous it's wrong um, and of course like I said being open-minded like I said when it comes to the placement of Job I don't know where it should go in this Bible and neither do they and admitting that you don't know where that fits chronologically does not change the fact that Job is Job right so that's one of the things that I wanted to caveat about study Bibles in general but yes, Chronological Bible is very helpful in terms of pinning down timelines, and that's why I got that book. Um, and then the final one, I got this to replace the study Bible that did not make it with me here to Texas. This is the Complete Jewish Study Bible. And I so far, I absolutely love this Bible. This may be my new favorite 
translation. Um, like the last Bible I showed you, this Bible has a slightly different order than the typical Christian Bible because it is actually a translation of the Hebrew Bible um, with the New Testament added. It was translated by a Messianic Jew um, and what that means is it is a person who was born and raised in the Jewish faith and the Jewish culture but they believe that Yeshua is the Messiah and so they have accepted him and they accept the New Testament. So it's interesting because um, a lot of the translations we have of the Bible in English are from Gentiles, just to be frank. They're from Gentiles who were converted and so they didn't necessarily have foundations in Judaism. And there was a long period in history because Rome hated the Jews, obviously they sacked the temple and completely destroyed Jerusalem, there was a very anti-Jewish uh, mentality within Rome. And when they took Christianity under their wings and, and started to uh, paganize Christianity, um, they also inserted a hatred towards Judaism. And if you go back and look at texts from like the Council of Nicaea and stuff like that, they say things like, do not Judaize. Um, so there was definitely like anti-Semitism within the early church and you know it was fueled by a lot of different things. So a lot of the Jewishness of scripture was basically removed and it became pagan essentially but it you know it became very much more of like a European tradition and a lot of things were lost in translation and then you know through the reformation people tried to do reforms but like they they're just things people don't know um but getting this translation um one of the things i like they have articles and and notes and things like that where they're tying it back to the original jewish tradition linking how jesus is fulfilling certain things that were told of in the old testament showing how the New Testament and the Old Testament are seamless, how it is the same religion, it's not a new religion, how it's the same God that has been working throughout it. So I like that. Um, I also like that it goes in and it, it puts in the original words. Um, like I said, I do want to go into the importance of understanding that these are translations. So within this book, um, it has like, for instance, the original names of the book. So for Genesis, it, it, it is also called Bereshit, which is the Hebrew word. Um, Bereshit actually means in the beginning, which is what the book of Genesis starts with. And so um, as you're reading through it, you will get the the um, names of real of the real people. So like it doesn't say Noah, it says Noach, which is the Hebrew version of it. Um, you will get, instead of getting Lord, where they are replacing the tetragram and you will get Adonai, which is what the uh, Israelites used to say. Um, you will get Yeshua in the New Testament. Um, definitely almost all of the proper nouns retain whatever their original Jewish word is. Um, and then in some cases they will point out, you know, differences in the translation or something like that. Um, and they'll show you, they'll point back and give you tips about what this word actually means. And that brings me some, to something else that I think is beneficial as you get deeper into the study of the word, and that is using an interlinear Bible. So an interlinear Bible shows the original text. The Bible was originally written in Hebrew, mostly in Hebrew for the Old Testament, 
um, Greek from the New Testament, and there are some parts that are in Aramaic. So that's been translated um, into English. And sometimes words are not exactly the same, but also, um, you know, you have these different types of translations. You have word for word translations and thought for thought translations. So depending on what kind of translation you have, you may just be getting an interpretation and you need to go back and see what the what they said word for word. What did they literally say to check if the interpretation of the translator is actually a valid interpretation. Um, this is also why I recommend varying the different translations that you use so that you can compare them and see um, how different translators rendered it. But going back and looking at the original words, sometimes looking at what those words mean give you so much clarity to what the verse means or they open your eyes um, to new meanings and new possibilities. Um, and I, I just think it's very, very fascinating. So I highly recommend using an interlinear by um, yeah, interlinear Bible as you get deeper into your studies. Um, Blue Letter Bible is the one that I use most often. Um, it is free. There is also an app for your phone so you can download it. You can also play it to hear what it sounds like. Um, I do that a lot for the names because a lot of times I'm not really sure how their original name was pronounced. So I'll do that to hear pronunciation and then you can look at what it means and where it's used elsewhere in the Bible so that you can compare like this word was used here like because it might be translated in different words just like in English right certain words can mean different things like um, I'm trying to think of a word like um, read even just read right when I say read I mean I like I could be mean read like I'm reading the Bible I could mean read like a read is a thing that as a as a musician you use on your instrument there are also reeds like the reeds that grow up as plants right like that all means read so um granted they're not all spelled the same but they sound the same so and in Hebrew they don't actually have vowels so they would all be rd and so they would be the same word um so it's important to look at how the word is used in other verses to try to catch a pattern uh, to see, you know, what this word actually means. Um, it may, it, it may color how you understand it. It may give you connotation, right? Um, certain words, like for instance, take assertive and aggressive. They're kind of the same thing, but assertive means that you go after something in a very positive way. Aggressive means is, is usually negative. Like, you're aggressively going at you're still going after something but it's usually in a negative way so um, using the interlinear Bible may help you get context for some words and things like that and that brings me to word studies um, one of the things that I started doing as I got deeper into studying the word is word studies so I I'm gonna try to find something on uh, this particular page I, I just want to give like an example of going deeper into the word so I'm just picking a random verse on this Bible that's open in front of me I am in Genesis chapter 13 and I'm reading verse 7 it says moreover quarreling 
arose between Abraham and Lot's herdsmen. Uh, and then it says the Canaanai and the Prizi were living, were then living in the land. So when you read this, like this may not have been the best, <laughs> the best verse to randomly pick out, but um, something that may stand out to you is like quarreling. What does quarreling mean? Like, do you mean like literally fighting, like literally throwing blows? Or do you mean like arguing? Like what is exactly is quarreling? So that may be a candidate of actually going and into the interlinear and looking up what does this word mean? Um, and then looking at it in English and in Hebrew, figuring out if it's used in the New Testament, looking at what it means in Greek, and then using that to add context to the verse that you're reading. Um, one of the words that I, you know, I have done this with, I've done this with, for instance, like submit. I've done this with words like repent. Um, words that you, you, sometimes you think you know the meaning of it, but you know, going through and seeing like, is there a word that I, I should define a little bit more clearly? It can help you to define the passage. Um, and similarly doing things like that with places and people. So like this talks about the Kenanai and the Perizzi or, or I, don't, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but looking up those people, like who are those people? What region is this? What is their purpose? Um, maybe even looking back into the Bible, who do they belong to? Because it's, there's always tribes. And I know definitely when you're in the beginning, it is very boring to read so-and-so begat so-and-so who begat so-and-so who begat so-and-so. And a lot of times we skip over it, but these lineages are very important when you start getting into it and you start seeing that these people descended from those people. Um, and it starts to help you understand things. For instance, um, let's take uh, Moses. He comes out of Egypt and he ends up in the land of Midian. If you go back into Genesis and you read back at the end of Abraham's life and it's summarizing his progeny, you will see that Abraham married a woman named Keturah after Sarah died and one of his son's names is Midian. So Midianite is where this, I mean Midian and the Midianites are descended from Abraham's son Midian. And that also makes it make sense when you find out that mother uh, Moses's father-in-law was at worshiping God. This is where he started learning about God. Well, they were also descended from Abraham. So they were worshiping the God of Abraham as well, right? So things like that help you to put things into perspective. You'll also see things where these people like Esau, like the Edomites, Esau versus the Israelites, Jacob, this goes back to the quarreling between Jacob and Esau. So, you know, when you see names that you're like, who is this person? Um, who are these people? You know, looking them up and not necessarily, you know, just looking them up in the Bible. You may want to look them up in a encyclopedia or in a, you know, online and start to get more information. Basically grounding this, combining like history and, um, you know, language, all of these things come together. Um, and as you start to get more comfortable with the word, you will start to put these pieces together to help you get context and to help you build on the base concepts that you've gotten. Um, 
there's so many things there's so many beautiful things about the bible um I would also recommend as you get deeper to do cross-referencing. This is one of the things I love about study Bibles. You will find, um, so my favorite example, the most important example I would say, is Daniel and Revelation. So there are a lot of things in Daniel that are repeated in Revelation. There's a lot of symbolism in the Bible that's given, for instance, all the way back in Genesis and in Daniel and in Revelation. And it's the same types of symbols. Um, you will also see things like, for instance, if you go back and read in uh, the first five books in the Pentateuch, um, you will start seeing like the way they describe the sanctuary. And um, there's a sermon online about it's called the blueprint. And it talks about how this sanctuary message or the, the, the symbols in the sanctuary appear throughout the gospel and throughout the plan of salvation which is really awesome. So like once you start picking up on the symbolism, you can start applying it to different different parts of the Bible. Um, similarly, when you start learning about like the feast days and the rituals and you start to see what it is Christ actually fulfilled in the New Testament, starting to like, you know, layer things. So um, making those connections. Um, what else is there um there's <laughs> there's so many things i thought i didn't need to write them all down to to be able to you know just tell you guys but um so yeah those are a couple of my tips i actually plan to take a class with a per, um with a pastor that i really enjoy listening to he does a lot of sermons on how to read the bible um and he ties together a lot of things like he finds so many patterns that I I'm just like oh wow um, I thought I was doing great but I need to know how you're doing that so I plan to take his class on like kind of elevating my own study skills in the next couple of weeks um, and you know who knows I may find out that there are even more things that are really cool but um, I wanted to share some of the things that have worked for me with you guys and like I said if you are brand new just start small don't worry about the big things just get in the habit of reading every day the most important thing that I've said in this entire list is praying before you read because the Holy Spirit will reveal these things to you um, I definitely did not have someone that just sat down and said this is how you should study the Bible I prayed and kind of fumbled my way through it and that's how I ended up where I am now so i have no doubt that if you are sincerely praying that the holy spirit will grow your faith and will teach you how to read the word without you even needing to know any tips um so that being said leave me a message in the comment section about how you read the bible and tips that have helped you your favorite methods for studying your favorite translation um you know what what it is like you know is there a specific place that you go that helps you is there a specific time that you study the word um, that helps you all of those things and I hope that you have a great week and that you continue reading no matter what level you're at or where you are in your journey see you